Hello, my podcast listeners. Thank you for joining me today. You're listening to the In Search of God's Instructions podcast. I'm your host, Shirley Vinson, and every week I invite you to join me for support and encouragement on your journey to a deeper understanding of the spiritual way that God wants His children to live. We are all in the spiritual walk of life together, but no matter the storms you face, if you search for His instructions, He will bring you through. encourage you to visit my website at https in search of God's instructions.org and download my free guide to helping you get started with building your relationship with God. Let us begin with the prayer. We thank you, Abba for another time to come before you in the study of your word. We thank you for being with us over these last few weeks of turmoil that's going on, not just in our country, but in the world. And we, particularly here in America, are experiencing things that we have never known to happen before within the borders of our country. Lots of unprecedented things has happened and will continue to happen. And we know this because your word tells us this. The thing is, is we need to be prepared because of these last days that you have revealed to us that we are living in. The main focus of our preparation, Father, you have told us should be on you, preparing our souls and for the return of the Messiah. We know that that time is now upon us. We just don't know the day or the hour. But with all that we are facing and that we have been facing since the first part of this year, 2020, We know that things will get worse because your word tells us you have given us the instruction that we must hold on until the very end. So we ask that you will strengthen us, Father, in these dark days and last days that we're living in. The days are definitely spiritually dark. We realize that we're fighting in a spiritual war. All who are trying to live by your instructions will be persecuted and will go through hard trials and tribulations until you return. You have told us that you will not forsake us, you will not leave us, that you are here. We are to look up and live our lives in the expectation that our Redeemer will appear, will call us with the sound of his trumpet any day now. Give us the strength to get through what we must get through because we are told that another lockdown is on the way and in some states they have already been happening. We can expect things to be much harder than they were earlier this year when we went through the first lockdown. These lockdowns will continue. The frequency of them, we don't know, but you do. And we ask, Father, that you give us strength, give us wisdom, give us understanding of your word, help our hearts to be encouraged, help us to lift one another up as we study your word as your sons and daughters so that we may have entrance into the new kingdom that will soon arrive. Help us to remember, Father, to be faithful to you first and then to each other secondly, so that we can be an instrument of help for each other and not an instrument of division. Bless us, bless our families and our loved ones, and help us to be a guiding light as you created us to be. As we take your word 
and your instructions for our lives to the world in whatever possible ways that we can. All these things, Father, we ask and pray for in the name of Yehoshua, our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. This podcast is a biblical podcast from the words that have been given to us in the Bible and also from history documentations to support what has been given us in the Bible. This podcast does not condone anti-Semitism, racism, hatred, anti-Catholicism, or violence against any person because of their beliefs and the way they choose to live their life. Today we're going to pick up with the book of Ezekiel again. It's been on hold for some time. The last podcast ended at chapter 33, and today we're looking at chapter 34. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought out what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet 
the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet and as for my flock they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you have fouled with your feet therefore thus says the lord god to them behold i myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep because you have pushed with side and shoulder but at all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad therefore i will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey and i will judge between sheep and sheep i will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them my servant david he shall feed them and be their shepherd and i the lord will be their god and my servant david a prince among them i the lord have spoken and i will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the wood i will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing and i will cause showers to come down in their season there shall be showers of blessings then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield her increase they shall be safe in their land and they shall know that i am the lord when i have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them and they shall no longer be a prey for the nations nor shall beasts of the land devour them but they shall dwell safely and no one shall make them afraid i will raise up for them a garden of renown and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land nor bear the shame of the gentiles any more thus they shall know that i the lord their god am with them and they the house of israel are my people says the lord god and you are my flock the flock of my pasture you are men and i am your god says the lord god we see that yah is definitely angry with the people who are supposed to be the shepherds of his sheep and he says towards the end here of this chapter that he is going to raise up a shepherd his servant david now of course when we're reading this we know that this book being written by ezekiel is being written while he is in captivity in babylon along with daniel and others that was driven out from jerusalem from the tribe of judah they were driven out and god sent nebuchadnezzar to drive them out of the land and their first captivity as far as the tribes of judah and benjamin goes took place in babylon under king nebuchadnezzar so as ezekiel is talking here we see that this king david that yah says he is going to raise up to shepherd his flock is the descendant of the line of king david he is our king yeshua and when you go back and you read the book of matthew you will see the genealogy there the messiah's genealogy all the way back to the line of king david in any case as we read this we see quite a few things going on here and that is first the shepherds who are supposed to be taking care of the flock are basically fleecing the flock they're eating the food and they're not feeding the sheep they're not guiding the sheep they've left the sheep to wander to go hungry to go thirsty to be unclothed to not have a place to lay their head and god refers to his people as the flock he says 
I'm reading from verse 27 of chapter 34. Then the trees of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hands of those who enslaved them. This is another indication, another proof we see here. There are many proofs. I don't always point them out. But this is another proof here that shows when he drove us out of the land the second time. Because Ezekiel is speaking of a future captivity that's coming upon the people of Yah. King Cyrus given the decree. They rejected the Messiah. The Messiah was crucified. And that was the thing that caused God to send them into captivity for a second time. And that captivity took place through the Atlantic slave trade. Although the northern kingdom had gone into captivity many hundreds of years prior to this. For the sake of what Ezekiel is saying here, we're seeing that those people who God drove out of Jerusalem, and caused them to be scattered. He caused them to be scattered for many reasons. The main reason being idolatry. Our ancestors started doing everything he told us not to do because he said, once you get into the land, if you start living your life according to what these other pagan nations around you have been doing that made me destroy them out of the land, then I will do the same thing to you. And that's because God has no respect of person. Even though he made a covenant with our ancestors, our ancestors are the ones who fail to honor their part of the covenant. And because they fail to honor their part of the covenant, and they started doing the very same things that the people who were in the land before them were doing, God said to them, and you read about this in the books of Deuteronomy and the kings and all of the writings of the prophets, because they started doing these things, God said, if you start doing them, I'm going to kick you out of the land also. And so he did. When our ancestors went into the second captivity, it was the greatest enslavement that ever took place throughout the entire world. When he speaks about his flock that are a prey, they are a prey to those in powerful leadership in the nations that they're in. And remember, God's people are scattered. He scattered us to the four corners of the earth. We see that those who are supposed to be the shepherds, keep in mind here, when you read history and you read about the enslavement that took place here in America, and I focus on America because my parents are descendants of slaves and God revealed this to me and he revealed to me that I was of the tribe of Judah, meaning that my dad was from the tribe of Judah. His ancestral line traced back to the tribe of Judah. Through all these 400 years of captivity that has been going on, the shepherds that have been holding us in bondage, they have gotten fat. They have gotten wealthy. They have become so wealthy that they have no fear of God. They have no desire to take care of God's sheep. And they know who God's sheep are. They know. 
and there's lots of historical records that they have hidden and locked up and conspired to keep secret so that the common people are blinded in a lot of ways to what has happened and what is happening. God says that these shepherds, he is going to deal with them. And we see him dealing with them, particularly in these last days, because these shepherds are also being used by Satan to carry out his agenda to destroy the people of God. Many will be destroyed, but God will always have a remnant that will not be destroyed. And for those who will not be destroyed, he says that he himself is going to gather them up. He is going to take them back to Israel. And there, they will not be afraid again. And that's how it is for most descendants of slaves in this country. Most descendants of slaves are a prey to business people, to the financial economic system, to their neighbors, to this religious system of, of, for most of them, Christianity. I know because I was there. We are all a prey to the system of this world, not just this country, because I can only speak for this country since I was born here and I've lived here most of my life, even though I've lived in a couple other countries for a time period. The point is, I didn't see much different when it came to those who we now know are descendants of slaves in those countries that I lived in. When I looked at these people who are black people, and I compared them to black people in America who are definitely descendants of slaves that I know of, and I didn't see a whole lot of difference. They also are prey, even though under a different government structure. But in reality, the entire world has come together to conspire to keep us as a prey and keep us enslaved. And God says he's going to put an end to it. The other thing to remember about these shepherds is that those in authority raised up other descendants and gave them some power and some authority and instructed them to teach the flock as they said to teach the flock, not in their sense of what was right and what was wrong when it comes to the flock. So therefore, the shepherds was following the instructions and are to this day following the instructions of the slave masters. And many of them don't, don't see this and many of them don't lead this, but that's exactly what's happening. When you see pastors in different various church denominations who are teaching their people to not observe certain parts of what the Word of God has written in the Bible because it's old and it was done away with. Who were they taught by? And as a result of their teacher, their instructor, their enslavers, they went into the flock and they teach the very words that are untrue. However, they're getting a reward for doing so. Their reward comes through tax breaks. You collect all these tithes, you get rich to take care of your family, and because you are benefiting, and remember now, you was once a part of the flock. You get rich, and as long as you can take care of your family, you're happy, everything is good. But when that tithe offering collection plate starts getting 
a little on the dry side. It's not bringing in as, as much as it used to bring in or could be bringing in. There's a problem with that. And in this sense, when it becomes a problem for the shepherds who have been taught by the slave masters, they are willing to teach the sheep the wrong way. They trample on the sheep. They dirty up the water for the sheep. They confuse the sheep. And the sheep doesn't know any better other than to trust them because after all, you're supposed to be, according to your title, a man of God or a woman of God. And God says he's going to deal with this. He's going to deal with the shepherds that are making his sheep a prey and who are basically abusing his sheep. They have left them on their own. Sheep need a guiding shepherd. And obviously, God is quite angry about it. Chapter 35. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O mountain of Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. Since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. Thus I shall make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from it the one who leaves the one who returns. And I will fill its mountains with the slain. On your hills, and in your valleys, and in all your ravines, those who are slain by the sword shall fall. I will make you perpetually desolate, and your cities shall be uninhabited. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Because you have said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess them, although the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, I will do according to your anger and according to the envy which you showed in your hatred against them, and I will make myself known among them when I judge you. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all your blasphemies which you have spoken against the mountain of Israel. They are desolate. They are given to us to consume. Thus, with your mouth, you have boasted against me and multiplied your words against me. I have heard them, says the Lord God. The whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate. As you rejoice because the inheritance of the house of Israel was desolate, so I will do to you, and you shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, as well as all of Edom, and all of it, then they shall know. So I will do to you, you shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, as well as all of Edom, all of it, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So Mount Seir, spiritually, mountains are considered in the word of God spiritually, Depending on the spiritual aspect of what God is saying, you can tell when he 
is not talking specifically about a mountain. Like, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy this mountain. Because God created the landscape, the mountains. So what good would it do for him to go out and tear down a physical mountain? He's not going out and tearing down his physical mountain and destroying his physical mountain. Mountains spiritually represents nations and hills represent cities and waters represent people. So when God speaks of the beast coming up out of the sea, the sea is water, which represent means this beast is coming up out of people from all over the earth, not just one particular people, but people from all over the earth. He's going to rise up. So when God says here that he is going to destroy the mountain of Seir, he's talking about nations who decided that they were going to rise up against God's people. And they made an oath between them. This nation went to other nations and said, let's work together. And they made an oath between them to consume the people of God. And we know this because God keeps talking about it. He's talked about it lots of times, and I probably read it to you before in other places and pointed out to you. But here when we see in the book of Ezekiel, we see he says that, Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all your blasphemies, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel. And the people of Israel are where? The people of Israel was in the land that he gave them, which is a mountain, Jerusalem was the city, the hill that set up on a mountain, which was Israel. And when God cast them out, these nations, many, many, many years later, when they decided that they was going to go and steal the land, they said they are desolate and they are given to us to consume, meaning they take them into slavery. We're going to divide up their land and we're going to keep it a secret just between us. So even if people speak of it and they know about it, we're going to deny it to the hill. Of course you're going to deny it. What do all thieves do? And what do all murderers do? What do all liars do? You can catch them in the act of something and they will be so good at their lies that they will even have you believing that you didn't see what you thought you saw. And if you're not strong enough, you'll start doubting what you saw. And that's how it is when God says here, he says that, these people of this country hated the children of Israel. They hated them. They despised them. They were jealous of them. And because they hated them, the hatred goes back to a very ancient thing that took place before God even chose them to be his people. And that ancient thing was the birthright, the birthright between Jacob and Esau. Esau always accused Jacob of stealing the birthright. Go back and you read the scriptures. You see, Jacob didn't steal it. It was of no value to Esau because Esau felt, I'm firstborn. I have everything. My dad loves me more than he loves my brother Jacob. So Esau knew he was the favorite son with his dad, but Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. He sold it. And you know, that's why the word of God tells us, and I know because I have, I'm guilty of this myself. When you make a promise to somebody, be careful 
of the words that you speak. Because when you make a promise to a person, you are to honor that promise, even if it is at your demise. In this particular case with Esau and Jacob, Esau said to Jacob, fine, you can have the birthright. Take it. What do I care? Feed me because I'm hungry. And so Jacob said, okay. He gave him what he wanted to eat. He filled himself. And Jacob looked forward to having the birthright. And when the time came and the birthright went into the hands of Jacob, Esau was very angry. And the word tells us that he cried and he cried and he cried for a blessing from his dad for the birthright. And his dad told him his blessing was going to be that his brother would be over him, even though he was going to serve his brother. He became a very great nation, but God's favor was with Jacob and not with Esau. And because of that ancient hatred, we have what is now called the time of the Gentiles. The time of the Gentiles began when God sent our ancestors into captivity for a second time that has lasted now for, well, 400 years. The 400 years period ended with Donald Trump's acknowledgement of it and other nations have acknowledged it. So they knew that this 400 year period was coming. And what some people should realize is that, well, if you've never paid attention to the demise of the hardships or the terrible things that happened with African-American descendants in this country and what took place during the slave trade. When Donald Trump did what he did with signing the acknowledgement of the 400 years of slavery in America, that should have perked people's ears. And they should have thought, why is that so important? Because you know, Congress at that time also took a trip to Benin, Africa. Lots of members of Congress went there. Nancy Pelosi was one of them. They went to Benin and visited for themselves the gate of no return. They actually saw where our ancestors were held in captivity. They actually saw the irons that was placed on them, the muzzles that was put on them, their mouths, all the things the filth that they lived in, waiting to board the next slave ship. They saw the darkness of these places. And you can imagine the stench that had to have taken place because they were packed in there like sardines in the holding cells as well as on the slave ships, in the hulls of the slave ships. They saw these things. Common sense to me would be that people would think, why is it so important that they're making a big deal about these 400 years of slavery in America? That's because that time period has ended. And God says back in Genesis, when the time period ends, he is going to deal with the nations who have held us in captivity. And I believe it's in the book of Zechariah, where he also says, yes, he was angry at us. And yes, he kicked us out of the land. And he allowed us to go into slavery. However, our slavers, those who enslaved us, went beyond the punishment that he intended for us to experience in order to get us to turn around and come back to him. Now, that's what the word says. 
They, the enslavers, took it to a higher level. They did horrible atrocities, hanging. And you know, the word of God says, you hang a person, you don't leave their body on the tree overnight. But our ancestors, those who were in slavery, were left on trees, not just for overnight, but for days until their carcass slipped through the noose that was around their neck and their skeletal remains fell to the ground. They became food for the carrion birds, not to mention all the other things that took place. Dismembering people, raping, breaking families apart, taking small babies out of the arms of the mothers and selling them off to other plantation owners, not allowed to be able to read or write. And if you were ever caught reading the Bible, it was an instant execution. It was the death penalty for reading the Bible. Why put people through all of that when you have nothing to gain on top of what they already do for free and their laborers to support you? Because keep in mind, the tons and tons of wealth that was built up by these slave masters was never paid for. All you have to do is go visit some slave quarters that are still on some of these historical plantations. And you see, when it was cold, they had no warmth. When it was hot, they had no cool. When they were hungry, they had to beg. Even though they were on plantations, they had it all. Whereas some were better than others, but many were quite, they were terrible. And when you see here in this chapter 35, they said they are desolate meaning that God has taken everything away from them. So now that God has taken everything away from them and he is not protecting them anymore, we can consume them because they don't have a God to fight for them. And as long as we keep them separated from their God, they will not turn back to him, especially as long as we keep them ignorant of him. And part of that ignorance was teaching those slaves who they put in charge of other slaves to make sure they remain in that ignorance. Chapter 36. And you, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession." Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations, and you are taken by the lips of talkers and slandered by the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, the desolate wastes, and cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession, with wholehearted joy and spiteful minds, in order to plunder its own country. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains, 
the hills, the rivers, and the valleys. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and my fury, because you have borne the shame of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am for you, and I turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you. My people Israel, they shall take possession of you, and you shall be their inheritance no more. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, you devour men and bereave your nation of children, therefore you shall devour men no more, nor bereave your nations any more, says the Lord God, nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations any more, nor bear the reproach of the peoples any more, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble any more, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, and they defiled it by their own ways and deeds, to me their way was like the uncleanliness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for the idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations wherever they went, they profaned my holy name when they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his hand. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord." says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you among their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, 
and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it, and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields, so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled, instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock, like a flock offered as holy sacrifices, like the flock of Jerusalem on its feast days. So shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Thank you, Abba Yah. This is saying to us that although our ancestors did not maintain their covenant, with Abba Yah. He still has love for us. He has not abandoned us. He will bring us back into the land that is our home. He will multiply us. He will restore us. He will restore our land and we will loathe ourselves when we think about the things that we did during our time of captivity as well as the things that our ancestors did right before he drove them into captivity. Because for years and years and years, he kept telling them, stop what you're doing, turn around, come back, stop what you're doing. And so being in captivity has basically been a whipping rod for the tribes of Israel. And make no mistake about it, the tribes of Israel are scattered throughout the world. However, he says that he is going to go to all the nations where he has scattered us and he's going to bring us back. So what does that mean when it comes to the land of Israel today? You can do the research for yourself and go out there and you will see that place that's being occupied today by the people who call themselves God's people. I'm not even going to go into that because I've gone into that on quite a few of my other podcasts. 
you will see that that land is nowhere what God had promised his people the boundaries of it to be. That tiny little place that's there now, filled with people who are not doing any more holy things in their lives than most Gentiles in the world. Now, is that true? You have to go there and live there for a while. But I'm inclined to think it's true because from the people that I've heard it from, they are people who claim to be people of Israel. That's And it's like, oh, well, they ought to know. And I'm keeping in mind who the Messiah is. It's not like that just for that particular area on the face of the earth. It's like that for most nations on the face of the earth. Most countries on the face of the earth don't teach the truth about our God, Yah. They don't teach the truth about our Savior, Yeshua. And the only way you will know this is to, number one, ask God for understanding. Make the decision in your life to live your life according to his instructions. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're born of the tribe of Israel. What matters is that there is this window of time period that God has given, whether you are of the tribes of Israel or of the Gentiles. He has given the set time period for all who want to know him and be a part of his kingdom to stop where they're at, humble themselves, ask him for forgiveness of all of the sins and abominable things we have done against him. And I say we because there is not one person on the face of the earth who is righteous. I am in my relationship with Yah because I decided that I wanted to humble myself, ask him to forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future. And I try to do it every day. I don't have to keep asking for forgiveness of the past sins because once he forgives you for those sins, those sins are forgiven. You never have to bring them back up to him again. But you must humble yourself and recognize that you are a sinner. Every single one of us have to do that if we're going to have a relationship with him. Because if we can't reach a place of humility where we can acknowledge our faults and say that we were wrong and ask for forgiveness from him and stop doing these horrible things that we used to do in the past, if we can't let these things go or if we think that by not acknowledging them that we can somehow make ourselves better and claim a relationship with God that really does not exist, then we're fooling ourselves. But we're not fooling Yah. And if we're going to make it into his kingdom, don't try fooling Yah. You have to be truthful to yourself first. Then you got to be truthful to him. And then you have to remain truthful to him. And in order to remain truthful to him, you have to remain truthful in the things you do in your life with other people. You have to decide okay, I want to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. And your heart will always convict you of what is right and what is wrong. And if you should have doubt, though, you should be taking it to God in prayer. You should be taking it to Abba Yah and ask him and say, Yah, I'm confused about this. Is this the right thing to do? This is what I'm thinking about doing, but I need you to guide me. Have a conversation with him as if you are having a conversation with your best friend. Or be truthful to him. You can be truthful to him when you become truthful to yourself. 
that doesn't mean that things are going to start working for you uh, in magical ways right away. It takes time to build this relationship with our Father. And that time means that you need to invest it. You need to invest your time with Him. And once you do that, He'll start opening your eyes to the things that a lot of people don't see. I was listening to a word from a lady earlier this week. One of the comments that she made was, well, I know that Israel that we have over here in this part of the world is not true Israel. And I know this because of their teachings and the things that they do. But God says that his people are here on the earth, but nobody seems to know who Israel is. Well, Israel knows who Israel is because God has been waking Israel up. And it's been happening now. Yah first directed me to start attending the synagogues because I used to be in Christianity. He first directed me to keep in the Sabbath back in the 19, I want to say it was around 1992 or 1990, somewhere around there. And I joined the Seventh-day Adventist church, but I had issues with them because my problem was, why is it that you honor the Shabbat? However, you don't honor the other feast days because from that time period when God directed me about the truth of Shabbat and the importance of keeping Shabbat, I started reading from Genesis to Revelations. And I had to question, well, he said, these are my feast days. Shabbat was the first one. Then came Pesach. Then came the Feast of Unleavened Bread and so forth and so on. And I thought, well, when I asked them about this, they said they were done away with. I don't understand why God would do away with all his feast days, but not the Shabbat. And then when I started asking God for guidance on this, the next thing I know, he directs me to start attending a synagogue. And at first I felt like a fish out of water. I was quite uncomfortable. But nevertheless, just like with Shabbat, I thought to myself, what's the purpose in God giving me an instruction to do something and I don't follow through on it because it makes me feel uncomfortable. I got to get out of my comfort zone. This is where he says to go and this is where I'm going to go. And that was back in, I want to say that was around 2000, it had to be around 2004 or yeah, around 2004, 2005 time frame when he started me to going to the synagogues. And so I've been going ever since, and I've learned so very much. Then he opened my eyes to my true identity. Something took place, and I'm not going to go through that story again, but something happened, and I'm searching for my ancestry, and a certain event took place, and I called out to y'all, and I was like, God, you know, you're the one who told me to start going to these synagogues. And I'm going, but other than for the Messianic congregations. My soul isn't getting fed in these places. And I'm thinking you have me going because it has something to do with either I'm grafted in, because I was thinking at that time I was a Gentile, I'm grafted in to your branch of the family, or I am a part of the family. So if I'm a part of the family, it sure would be nice to know what tribe I'm from. And the next thing I know, he answered my question and gave me a vision. And his vision showed me that my father was from the tribe of Judah. 
he showed me that my father was from the tribe of Judah and I am a daughter of Judah, of the tribe of Judah. And from that moment on, the things I used to read in this Bible, I was told don't apply to me because I was Gentile, started to suddenly make sense. It's the history of my ancestors. It is the history of what has been taking place in this world. So here we are now at the end of these days. And at the end of these days, we know that before the Messiah returns, this is one thing that's going to happen. There, well, there are lots of things that's going to happen. But at the very end, a great war is being physically manifested on this earth. And that war starts out with the physical people that are, and this is only specifically applying to this particular time period that we are now living in. That war is about God's people on the earth who Satan is trying to destroy because that's what the book of Revelation tells us. It tells us here in verse 11, chapter 13 in the book of Revelation. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. And then when we go over to chapter 14, verse 12, he says, starting at verse 9, chapter 14, Then a third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And we know that the Lamb is Yeshua. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Yeshua. And then once more in chapter 12 in verse 16. But the earth helped the woman 
And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua, our Mashiach, our Savior. When we look at these chapters that I briefly read from in the book of Revelation, we know that God's people still exist to this day on the earth. The book of Daniel tells us that. Actually, all of these books tell us that. The writings of the apostles tell us to be prepared for these days that are now upon us. The dragon knows that he has a very short time left. He is a master deceiver. As all master deceivers, they have an agenda. In order to achieve that agenda, it requires the deceiver must keep your enemy blinded or unaware of what is truly taking place because the deceiver knows that if your enemy got a whiff of what it is you are actually trying to do in order to achieve some particular agenda that they are not aware of, you know that your enemy will likely join those who you are fighting against. And now, instead of you defeating a small group of people, you may have to defeat a lot of people. But what's even more is that when your enemies become aware of what your true agenda is, they will turn on you and they are likely to defeat you. So what is the enemy's agenda? The agenda of the dragon is to destroy God's creation, mankind. That's why he did what he did in the Garden of Eden. His agenda is to destroy the human race off the face of the earth. And he's doing whatever he can to do that. And people from all walks of life, from all different religious backgrounds, are asking, what in the world is going on? Why is this so important? These things about resetting our government, the one world order, the agenda that has to be achieved, and the vaccine that has to go out for a virus that is definitely a deadly virus for lots of people who get it. There's no doubt about that. But why is it necessary to even inoculate a lot of people who, by all calculations, from lots of medical studies, and you should go out and, and research this for yourself, show that the coronavirus hasn't killed as nearly as many people as the seasonal flu did last year all by itself. And a person has to wonder, what is the reason for all of this? And I'm telling you, the reason for all of this is because the true, the real hidden agenda is to destroy the people of God. It's up to you to start studying for yourself. Pray and ask God to lead and guide you because in this war of casualties, people are going to get hit and lose their lives. As an adult, make the choice for yourself what side you're going to fight on because if you don't care, you will take the consequences of what is written in Revelation. Torment forever and ever. And if that's what you're perfectly happy with, then fine, that's your choice. But on the other hand, if your choice is not to be in torment forever and ever when you leave this world, then you should start 
studying the word, finding out what you must do in order to make it into the kingdom where you will be alive and in the presence of God forever and ever. And that alive and in the presence of God is, will be here on this earth, not in heaven. I have found no place in these scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that God has made a promise that we will be in heaven with him forever and ever when we leave this earth. What his promise says is that we will either be separated from him depending on the lifestyle or the choices that we make on this earth while we are alive. We will be in torment and that separation from him forever and ever or we will be alive forever and ever on the earth and those who make it into that day will be forever alive in his presence and the presence of the Messiah because that day is going to be an unending day. So our goal right now as God's people is to make it into the millennial reign. That's what our goal is, to make it into the millennial reign because we want to be in the presence of our Messiah. And with that, I'm going to encourage all of my listeners to start seeking truth so that you can make an informed decision regarding your soul. It is God's desire that you are with him when your flesh leaves this world. It is his desire that your soul will be in his presence. Until then, I ask that God will be with each of you to open your eyes and your hearts to understanding, your spirit to discernment, and I pray that he will encourage you and strengthen you to grow in his truths and take his truths and apply his truths to your life. May God be with you, bless you, and walk with you along the path as you seek out his instructions. 